You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. So glad you're in church tonight. I want to read you a scripture about wisdom because we're talking about wisdom on Wednesday nights and I'm talking about the marks of wisdom, the qualities of wisdom. When you're walking in wisdom, you'll have these kind of things happening around you and in you and for you. And so uh, there's all kinds of blessings that come from walking in God's wisdom. And you find one of those in Proverbs chapter 24, starting in verse 13, it says, Revelation knowledge is a delicacy, sweet like flowing honey that melts in your mouth. Eat as much of it as you can, my friend. And then it says this in, in, uh, in verse 14, it says, for then you will perceive what is true wisdom. When you start seeking revelation knowledge of God, you're gonna perceive true wisdom. What it's, what it's like to do what is right in circumstances and situations to make right decisions. And it says this, your future will be bright. Wow. When you start walking in God's wisdom, it, it lightens up your future. It's like, man, because I'm walking in this wisdom, I see because wisdom opens your eyes. God opens your eyes to the possibilities. Living right before God, life becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. When you live wrong and you live foolishly, your choices in your life becomes more and more and more narrow. That's how it works. That's how the kingdom of darkness works. It gets dark, your life gets darker. In the kingdom of light, your, your life gets bigger and broader and is, it becomes illuminated. That's why I said, you know, when you walk in this, you, you know, you're going to walk in, in, in a, your future is going to be bright. It's going to be like a light. It's going to be like something shining before you and you won't dread the future. You'll, you'll welcome it. You'll welcome the future. You'll live in the day you're living in and be grateful and thankful and do things that are right. You'll face the challenges and troubles that come each day, but you'll look beyond those to a bright future when you're walking in God's wisdom. And then it says this, and this hope living within you will never disappoint you. Never disappoint you. The hope of what? The hope that when you operate by God's wisdom, that good things are coming. And we've read over and over and over again all the blessings that come from wisdom if you've missed any of this series go back and listen to some of the blessings that come from wisdom but right now we're going to go back to james chapter 3 <coughs> excuse me and we're going to read verse 17 it says but the wisdom from above is always pure and these are the marks of wisdom these are the characteristics when you're walking in god's wisdom these are the things that begin to happen to you and start coming out of you there's a purity that comes with walking in God's wisdom. It'll purify you. His word will pur purify you and remove uh, uh, moral stains that are, that are and immoral stains that are on you. It'll start, I always say, it's like the Holy Spirit and the word of God, when you walk in God's wisdom and you actually act on God's word, that's what wisdom is, is acting on God's uh, knowledge and understanding of God's word. Uh, it's like a pressure washer, washing away the stains in your life. And then it says, filled with peace. And we talked about being a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so, man, it's, it's a blessing. Happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable those who look to make peace. And they have a relationship with God that is different than others. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we're a doormat or that we back down from a fight, but we're peacemakers. Then the next one, it says, considerate and teachable, or what we would say is gentle. That's what the New Living Translation says is gentle. And we talked about being gentle, that we're not combative. And really, the most important part of that to me is, 
is that uh, we're not easily offended. We don't, we don't look for offense and we're not easily offended. And we talked about being in the supermarket or driving a car and just not having all these mistakes that people make or their indifference to you or to anybody else because so much of our world is so focused on self. And that's what, that's what Satan's teaching them. That's what the media is teaching them. That's what internet is teaching. That's what the, a lot of the school systems are teaching them. Not all our teachers, because we've got some great teachers, but uh, some our system, the system's trying to teach them, just look out for you and do you and your own truth and, and because of that it's going to be uh, easier to be offended by people because they're going to be indifferent to you they're not even going to acknowledge your presence they don't even see you they're so blind to it because why because when you live in the world the blinders get bigger and the road gets narrow and your narrower and your focus gets uh, a lot more narrow and so we don't want to live like that we want the road to be open and bright and the future to, to have a hope for the future and that's living by God's wisdom. And so we don't want to be easily offended. And then the next thing, and we haven't gotten to this one yet, number four of that list are seven characteristics. It says, considerate, that's the gentle part, and teachable, that's number four, is teachable. I call it persuadable, teachable, reasonable, uh, so that we are able to, to reason with somebody instead of just fighting all the time. See how all these are connected? Purity opens up your life. Uh, peacemaking, being not easily offended, and now reasonable, teachable. You show me someone that's not reasonable, and I'll show you somebody that is not operating by the wisdom of God, the Word of God, or the Spirit of God. Because people who are operating by that are reasonable. Reasonable under pressure. Reasonable uh, when good times are happening, just when they're confronted or, or just having a conversation with people, you're open to hear what they have to say. You're reasonable when you figure out you're wrong. You know, you're like, you know what? I, I think you're right. I, I'm wrong here. I know you're right and I'm wrong here. I see it now. Why? Because you can reason. And, and when you're reasonable and you're teachable, you like facts. Right now we're hearing from the world. Of course, Satan says facts don't matter. Facts don't matter, only how you feel matters. Listen, the Bible says if you're led by the Spirit, you'll, you'll have life and peace, but if you're led by the flesh, it'll breathe death into your life. And that's what I see in people's relationships because they're not led by the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's always reasonable and, and considers facts and thinks facts are important, not just feelings. And it's because a lot of times we feel things that aren't true. They're just not true. They're not factual. And Satan will say, it don't matter. Just go with what you feel because he wants you in the flesh. He knows what the Word of God says. And he, he's experienced it himself that he was moved. He was moved by pride. He was moved by the, by the flesh, if you will say, and he fell. And now he wants to teach us to do that and lead us in that direction. So when you're, when you're persuadable, teachable, reasonable, um, man, you, you, you carry a different uh, attitude about you. You're not prideful. You're not arrogant. You're just teachable. You're like, man, I, I'm willing to learn in any situation and any circumstance. Man, my heart is open and my mind is open. Not to, not to have everybody dump trash in it, but that I'm just open to be reasonable and to be taught. And I, I love this statement. Uh, I've said it over and over again. You'll hear it over and, again, over and over again from an old preacher named Kenneth Hagin. Great, great man of God. He said, you know, even a cow knows how to eat the hay and spit out the sticks. You got to be able to, to, to take what is good from people and spit out the sticks. My father had a lot of honor in a lot of ways um, and was a good man in a lot of ways, but he wasn't a Christian man. And so there's a lot of things that I did not want to take from him. 
And I learned to spit the sticks out and eat the good things that he taught me. He taught me to be a gentleman. He taught me some other things too. He taught me to love my country and, and those kind of things, to be loyal. And so, you know, we can take those things, even from unbelievers, good stuff, and, and leave out the bad. And when you're reasonable and teachable, you can do that. If, if you have locked in and you're stubborn and unteachable, you're, you're setting yourself up for a very ugly life. Because what you're gonna do when you're stubborn is you repeat the same mistake over and over and over again. It's the definition of insanity, right? That we do the same thing, we get the same result, and then we repeat that process. And we don't like the result, but we keep doing it. That's, that's called stubbornness, that's unteachable. You know, God wants us to learn from, from victories, but he also wants us to learn from failure. He wants us to be learning all the time. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit and you renew your mind with the word of God's wisdom, you are a reasonable person. You can sit down, even when you're angry, you can sit down and if someone shows you that you're wrong, you're like, you know what? My anger was misplaced. I'm sorry, I was mad, didn't know all the facts, didn't know all the story, and it changes everything. You know, one of the stories I like to tell and I like to think about was the man on the train with his little kids. And uh, he's on a subway, actually a subway train, and, he's, and his kids are running around that subway car and they keep bumping into this older man that's trying to read his newspaper. And that man's getting frustrated, he keeps looking at the dad, the dad's in a, a zone, looks like a zombie, and the, dad, the older man's getting more and more and more frustrated. Finally, the, the little kids bump him one too many times and he pulls down his paper and he looks, he shouts at the guy and says, hey, can you get your kids to settle down? And he kind of comes out of that, that state and he goes, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. Their mother just died. Now that changed the whole perspective. See, when you're reasonable, you'd go, you know what, I'm so sorry. And then you'd, then you'd help this guy and you'd love on his kids. You'd, you'd talk to him, you'd, you'd bless him. You'd, You'd be totally different. Hopefully you'd pray with him. Hopefully you'd offer him a word of encouragement. And so that changes perspective when you're reasonable, when you get confronted with the truth and with facts and with a different perspective than you had not, you have not considered, then you're gonna think about it. You're gonna think about it and you're gonna reason it out and you're gonna come to the right conclusions because the word of God and the wisdom of God is teachable, reasonable. Reasonable people have certain characteristics. Number one, they listen. They're good listeners. Doesn't mean they can't be a good talker too, but they're good listeners as well. They listen to people, not just hear people, but listen to people. I know that when my wife's talking to me, I could be doing something else and she'll be like, did you, did you hear me? And I'm like, yes, I heard every word you said. She goes, no, you didn't. And I'll repeat back word for word what she said. And she's like, you know what? That's not good enough for me. I want you to look at me when I'm talking to you and, and acknowledge me when I'm talking to you. And I'm like, okay. So I've made that accommodation for her because she wants me to, to not just hear her, but she wants me to listen. And so, you know what? That's what we should do for people. Make that, make that accommodation. I used to try to watch a sports event and uh, talk to my kids or hear all their stories or uh, mitigate some of their fights and arguments with each other playing. And, and uh, I learned that you know once I got a pause button that I need to pause what's on that TV, pause what I'm doing, even if I'm doing other things, pause what I'm doing and actually turn to that person and listen. My wife taught me that. 
It's a, there's a big difference when you do those things, when you actually are engaged. So number one, a reasonable person listens. Number two, we're slow to speak. Otherwise, we give other people an opportunity to speak before we think it's our turn to speak. We're slow to speak. Number three, we're logical. Like I said, facts matter. Logic matters. This arguments today over what's the definition of a woman? Oh my goodness, it's so ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Facts matter. That a woman could be a man and a man could be a woman and just however they identify and whatever they want to say they are or call themselves. Facts matter. That's illogical. And, and they want to eliminate the world and Satan wants to eliminate logic. And sub subsequently, he's going to eliminate being teachable because it's just going to be like, this is what you have to believe. If you don't believe it, you're evil. And that's what's happening in our world right now. If you don't believe what the world believes, what Satan's spitting out, now you're evil. He, he's, the Bible says he'll call what is evil good and what is good evil. We need to understand the wisdom of God and be teachable enough to discern and find the facts and use the logic that God has placed in our brains to come up with the truth. So we're going to need to be logical. Number four, we're not ruled by our emotions. I've talked about that already. We're not ruled by our emotions in this situation. Our emotions affect us. God gave them to us to be a blessing to us, but not to lead us. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit and by reasonable thinking, logical thinking. And so that's how God wants us to be led and that's how we're supposed to function. Doesn't mean we don't have emotions. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that we don't have strong emotions, but we're not led by them. Because when you're led emotionally, a lot of times reason is thrown out the window. I give this example often, you know, that I sit before married couple, couples that are wanting to get married, and man, I've sat before some, and this, this young lady will have a job, and this guy won't, and, and they're just in love, and they're, they'll get a job, I know they'll do. I'm like, how long has it been since you haven't had a job? Well, it's been a year or two. And I'm, I'm like, no, they're not, they're not getting a job. You know, you're going to be taking care of this guy the rest of your life. And inevitably, I'd say 95% of the time that's true, and that's how that plays out. And so, you know, you can't be ruled by your emotions. They're so in love, they don't care about the facts of the situation. And, and it could cause you to make some serious bad choices in your life. I think all of us could probably think of circumstances, situations where we let our emotions rule us and we said something or did something based on emotion that we regret. I don't know how many of my friends and I and others that punched a wall and broke a knuckle or, you know, tore up our hand and, you know, did stuff out of emotion that makes no sense to punch a brick wall. It makes zero sense to punch a brick wall. You're losing that battle. But we're not logical when we're ruled by the emotion of anger. I've seen lust carry so many people away from, from the kingdom of God, from their families, because they're ruled by their emotions and not by logic, not by the wisdom and the logic that comes from God. And so we need to be logical, not be ruled by our emotions. Number five, we do not talk down to people. Man, I, I don't know if you've ever been around people, they try, they try to talk down to you. I've been around people that have done that, and man, it, it's horrible. And I don't let it get to me. It doesn't affect my self-esteem. It's not going to bother me. But it's still ugly. It's ugly to be talked down to. And there's so many uh, people in our world today that are so arrogant and so prideful, so unreasonable. They don't walk by the wisdom of God. They talk down to people. Listen, don't talk down to your wife, your husband, your friends, your coworkers. If you're a boss, don't talk down to the people that work for you. If you're, a, if you're an employee, don't talk down to your boss. 
because they make mistakes. Don't talk down to your children because if you talk down to them, you're teaching them to do that to, to others, especially to each other. So we don't talk down to people. Like we're so superior. That's not, that's not part of being teachable or reasonable. But we treat people with respect. We treat people with respect. Number six, we don't deflect or defend. When we're, when we're in a situation where we're proven wrong, we don't deflect and start saying, well, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you're right, but we don't say the you're right part. Yeah, but you, but you did this, and but you did that, and last year you did this, and this month you did this, and, and you've done this in the past, and, and that's deflecting. We need to face the issue that's in front of us and deal with it without deflecting or trying to defend our position when we know we're wrong. I think all of us have defended a position that we knew were wrong. It's just, it's so unreasonable and you're so caught. I can't get away with it because I start laughing. You know, I start laughing. I can't even tease Julie a lot, you know, and tell her things like, you know, hey, there's a, there's a spider over there or something like that. I can't even scare her like that because I start laughing, man. I, I give myself away. I'm a terrible, I've always been a terrible liar. And so even when I was in the world and I can't even kid around a lot like that because I just bust up laughing. And when I'm wrong and she's like proving I'm wrong, I just start laughing and she goes, okay, we know it's over now because once you start laughing, you know you're wrong. And I'm like, you're right, you're right. And so listen, we don't wanna defend a position that's indefensible. When you're walking in God's wisdom, you won't do that. And guess what? You'll have an impact on those around you that they won't, they'll stop doing it too. You watch. When you start living like this and walking with God's wisdom and experience the, what I call the marks of God's wisdom, the characteristics of walking in God's wisdom, you'll notice that people around you will become more reasonable. They'll become more honorable. They'll become uh, more teachable because you are, especially if you're in a leadership position as a mom, a dad, a, a, a teacher, a, someone in authority, a coach, a, um, a someone in authority at work or someone with a title. Uh, but even just as a parent, there's always someone following you. Or older brother, older sister. When you operate like that, it's inevitable that the people around you will start to. So if you're defensive, they're going to be defensive. If you deflect, they will deflect. So don't do it. Just don't do it. Be reasonable. Be teachable. Be uh, uh, persuadable that you might be wrong and they might have a good argument. I taught my kids, I don't know when I started letting them do this. I say around 10 I, I, I would tell them, listen, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you no right now, but um, I, you can convince me otherwise. And I, I quit even telling them no at first. I'll say, listen, my inclination is to say no. That doesn't sound right to me, but if you have an argument about that, I'll listen to it. And what I was teaching my kids is how to formulate their thoughts and how to be reasonable and how to be teachable. And it's not, I'd say uh, seven out of ten times they couldn't convince me. My first inclination was right, it's a no. But three out of 10 times, they convinced me that it's okay. And I was teaching them how to be reasonable and that we need to do that with our children. Now there are some things that are just a no. It's no, and that's it. There's some things that are yes, that is a yes and no, that's a no. But other times I'm like, man, I'm, I'm inclined to say yes, but I have some questions or I'm inclined to say no, but I have some questions for you. And I want you to tell me why you wanna do this or you know, how, why you wanna do it this way. And man, I've learned a lot and I've taught them to be more reasonable. I've taught them to actually have to think through why they want to do things and, and uh, how to form an, a, a discussion and have an honest, open, reasonable discussion. And so I, I would encourage every parent when a child gets to a certain point, when it comes to certain things, not everything, that you give them an opportunity to, 
to convince you, an opportunity to reason with you because the wisdom of God is reasonable. And they learn not to deflect or defend. And when you don't, you can point it out to them. Hey, you're just deflecting right here. You're trying to point to somebody else. Own your stuff. Or they'll defend their position like, man, you, you're just wrong. Man, you've got, you've got cookie crumbs all over your shirt, on your mouth, in your hands. You ate the cookies. You can't beat the facts. Your breath smells like cookies. You ate the cookies. You got chocolate chip on your front tooth. You ate the cookies. You know, you have to become, begin to teach them, hey, that facts matter. Facts matter. And to be reasonable and teachable and not to lie, but to own own stuff that belongs to them and be reasonable. And, and so, listen, wisdom seeks the truth. Wisdom hears both sides. Proverbs 18, 17, 18, 13 both talk about, you know, about hearing both sides of a matter before you judge it. It's so easy when you hear it, hear something that jump on it. You know, I love what Julie used to tell my kids' teacher. She still, still, still tells them this. Uh, she would tell them and still does that, hey, if you don't believe everything they say about me, we won't believe everything they say about you. And, and the teachers laugh because they hear stuff that, and, and then they know that kids say stuff about them that's not necessarily true. What we're saying is, and what she's saying to them is, we will be reasonable, we hope you're reasonable. We'll be teachable if you're teachable. We'll be persuadable if you're persuadable. And that's how, that's how it should function in every relationship. And so I don't try to brush in and form a thought. I try to come in and listen to their side of it before I form a thought. Now, many times, whether it's teachers or people, man, when I hear their side, my initial reaction that they were wrong is, uh, is found to be accurate. But sometimes I'm like, man, I, I see both sides of this. And so I have to, you know, point out what, what's, what the difference is in the sides and, and what is right and what is wrong on both sides. And so the Bible teaches us, hear both sides of a matter before you judge it. So don't just react. Reasonable, teachable people don't always just react to everything they hear. With me, I react initially for a couple of minutes and then I kind of, I fall back into that reason, you know, not in front of the person, but I kind of talk my way through it. I talk it out, talk through my emotions so I can get to a place where I'm like, okay, now I just want to hear both sides. I had a friend call me and say, man, I contacted this friend and they haven't responded. Or you think, have you heard from them? Are they mad at me or something? And I said, yeah, they could be because sometimes they would hang on to stuff and not say anything. I said, but for the most part, when I deal with them, they're out of town or something on vacation or something like that. And that's not, that's why they're not responding. And then what happened while we were on the phone, that person texted them and said, hey, been out of town, man, what's going on? And they're like, well, I guess he isn't mad at me. I said, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. But, in, but at first he's like, man, is this guy mad at me? What's up, what's going on? And, and man, I just kind of walked through that with them. And so when you're reasonable, you don't get worked up. You don't always assume the worst. You go and hear all the facts and then you deal with what you gotta deal with. Wisdom hears both sides. Number five is mercy. Number five, this is not, this is not the, what a reasonable, reasonable person does. This is actually one of the other characteristics that we're merciful. It says, it is filled with love. It is filled with love. And that word love there is mercy. Mercy is an action word. Mercy sees a need and fulfills it. And so when you're walking in God's wisdom, you see needs and you act. Just today, uh, someone 
uh, picked up a young lady that was walking down the street with her bags, brought her to the church and said, man, she needs some help. And so, you know what? I had mercy for her. Um, she's not a drug addict. She's not doing any of that. She's made some mistakes, young girl. And so we put her up at a hotel. We're gonna give her a job and try to help her get on her feet as much as she'll cooperate. But you know what? Mercy doesn't say, well, God bless you. See you later. No, mercy acts. Mercy sees a need and acts on it. And that's what, when you're walking in God's wisdom, you'll, God will show you certain needs. And when he shows them to you, he expects you to do something. You know, the world has this thing now. We don't want your hopes and prayers. We don't want all that nonsense. We want you to do something. And some of what they're saying is right. We, they definitely need our prayers. No doubt about it. And they're, they're wrong on every aspect of that because they don't believe in God. They don't believe in prayer. But they're right in the sense that we need to do something about these situations. Like the school shootings is what they usually say in gun control. Listen, I believe we should do something. I think the body of Christ or some billionaire that loves Jesus should put the money up to pay for security guards, armed security guards in every school. I don't believe in changing the gun laws. What I believe in is addressing the criminals and the people that are trying to do these things before they ever get to it. I think the communities need to gather together and buy camera systems and, and different things that will protect our schools and our children. I think they're right on some of that, that we shouldn't just be praying but doing something. God even says it. He says, if you have two coats and someone comes in and needs a coat, don't just pray with them and say, God bless you and see, see you later. No, give them one of your coats. And so God expects us to operate in mercy. And when you're walking in God's wisdom, you're merciful. You see a need and you meet it. And I think we should be actively more involved in providing and helping with these areas that the world has challenged us on. And I think they have a legitimate criticism of the body of Christ when we're not moving. Now, they expect you to help everyone in every situation. They don't believe in con men. They don't believe that people want to live on the street. Listen, I've done street ministry for over 30 something years and I didn't do street ministry from a distance, right in the smack dab in the middle of that mess, eating, housing, people right off the street, trying to help people off the street. I do it all the time, just did it today. But I understand that probably about 80 to 90% of the people there want to stay there. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feed their, their addiction. I'm not gonna uh, placate them wanting to poop out in front of a business. And that's just ridiculous. That's unreasonable to be. And so we're not gonna, the world just is crazy when it comes to some of this. Everybody's a victim and, and, uh, uh, and only a certain people are the victimizers. But really they are because they're condoning bad behavior. God doesn't condone bad behavior. But there are opportunities every day to see a need and meet it, to bless somebody, encourage somebody, buy someone's lunch, do something for somebody. There's opportunities every day. In your own household, there's opportunities. In your own family, there's opportunities. At work, there's opportunities to go the extra mile. And when you're walking in God's wisdom, you're gonna operate in God's mercy, and you're gonna go the extra mile. You're not just gonna see a problem when you see a problem, you're gonna do something about it. Give some finances, give some time, do something to help. You can't do everything. None of us can do everything. Only God can do everything. We can't do everything. So you're gonna to have to 
make sure that you're allocating your resources properly and that it's something that God's specifically told you to act on because you only have so much time, so many resources. But man, when you do and God shows you certain needs that he's called you to meet, then you sh we should act on it. And when we're operating God's wisdom, we will. There's a higher, there's just a higher standard for us. God, God's wisdom commands us to have a higher standard. He said, don't repay evil for evil. It doesn't mean you can't repay evil with justice. Evil for evil is different than evil for justice. Justice is doing what's right to punish the evil. When you repay evil for evil, you're saying like, well, they lied to me, I'll lie to them. They stole from me, I'll steal from them. They murdered one of mine, I'll murder one of theirs. I mean, that's evil for evil, but there's a difference between evil and justice. There's a big difference. And so when you're walking in God's mercy and walking in God's wisdom, you don't repay evil for evil. Matter of fact, it says pay evil with good. Can I tell you what's good? Justice is good. So that doesn't mean we just let it go either. We just do the right thing in that situation as opposed to repaying evil with evil. Um, and so we, we have to operate by this wisdom in God's mercy. And, and one of the ways we do that is when, when we want revenge, God said, Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. And that's the New Testament. So we need to, when we feel that, that sense of wanting revenge, we need to turn that over to the Father and say, Father, you said revenge is yours. I'm not going to act in revenge. I'll act in justice and I'll do what's right, but I'm not going to act in revenge. Revenge is yours and yours alone. So I'm going to give that to you. I'll let you deal with them and let you deal with it until my emotions and my heart is right. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to let you deal with it. Then when my heart is right, then I'll act. Because if there's justice to be had, we'll demand justice. If there's something to be done <coughs> that I can do, then I'm going to do it. Wow. Uh, in the Old Testament, they translate the word mercy lovely and beautiful. Can I say something to you? When you're operating God's mercy, when you see a need and meet it, it makes your life more lovely and more beautiful. You know, I always think of Mother Teresa. She wasn't an attractive woman. She's a little bitty thing. I don't, I don't know if she was five feet tall. She's probably 4'11", 4'10". She had nothing that would say beauty or, or anything like that. Little bitty woman, not very attractive. But man, when I looked at her, she was beautiful to me. She was lovely. Why? Because she acted in such mercy. When you act in mercy, it beautifies your life. It makes you look more lovely, more beautiful, more handsome. It just, it just makes you, it's just different. It makes you different. It makes you shine. Oh, it makes you shine. It makes you more attractive. And I don't mean just physically to others, uh, the opposite sex. I mean, it just makes you more attractive to people. It's truly when God says to do good works, commands us to do good works and let our light shine. He's talking about the shining light of mercy that we saw a need and we met it. And the whole world needs to see it, see us shining with the beauty and loveliness of mercy. I think it's amazing that in the Old Testament, that's how, that's how they uh, describe or translate mercy as lovely and beautiful. Now listen, we've talked about several things. Next Wednesday, we'll talk about the last two marks of wisdom, the qualities that, that we will exude, that will come off of us, that will shine around us because we're walking in God's wisdom. And that's how we know we're in his wisdom. These things are happening in our life. Uh, but I want to point out one last thing before we go. You know, I'm reading the Song of Solomon and it talks about an inner garden that the husband in that case, which is Jesus, and the, the woman in that case is the church. 
is the body of Christ, and he talks about an inner garden that people eat our fruit, fruit from. Well, these are some of the things that grow in that inner garden. Purity, peace, gentleness, reasonableness, mercy. Those are the things that not only do we get to feast on, but others around us get to feast on too. Others around us. And that's what it's for. God wants us to have, he said, I came to, Jesus said, I, Jesus said, I came to give life and abundant life. Man, that's amazing. So the, he came to give us life and then abundant life. That abundance is for others to eat from. Others to eat from the mercy that you show. Others to, to teach how to be reasonable and walk in God's wisdom. Others that you're gentle to or, or you're, 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 you make peace with or others that you show them that God can help you be pure and eliminate addictions and, and moral stains in our life. Man, others get to eat off that tree. And that's what God wants with us. But it begins, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship has to be that he is Lord and we are not. We're his, we're his friends, we're his children, we're his servants, we're his warriors. But we're not Lord, he's Lord. And he surrendered his life. He came from heaven to earth to surrender his life and die on a, on a tree. And the Bible says anybody hung on a tree is cursed. He, he was killed on a, on a tree that was a mark of the curse in between two thieves. Like a criminal, he was killed. He surrendered heaven to come and do that for us. He gave his life for us. And now he's asking us to surrender our life to him. And he's asking you. So whether you're online or here in person tonight, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as Lord, we're going to give you that opportunity here in just a moment. Or maybe you've known him and you've walked away, run away, whatever the case may be, and you just want to come home. You're, you know your best life that you were living is when you came home. Maybe you've committed a grave sin and you feel so guilty and ashamed, you just need to come home and allow Jesus to forgive you and remove your guilt and remove your shame so you can move forward and not have to walk around carrying that heavy burden of shame and guilt anymore. Only he can remove it. Only he can remove that stain from your life. So whether it's your first time, you've never prayed before to receive Jesus Christ as Lord or your next time and you want to pray, this is your opportunity. Now I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Sean and, and allow him to walk you through that and pray with you. But I want you to know, uh, I love you. God bless you. Have a great night. And now, if you will, please, here is Pastor Sean. If you would, please, if everybody would just bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, uh, Pastor just laid it out, um, as he does so well, perfectly, that Jesus will remove the stain of any sin that you've committed or any wrong you have committed. He will remove that from your life if you will come to him and make him the Lord of your life and ask him to do that. And the Bible makes it really simple. It says in Romans chapter 10 that if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And so we're all gonna pray in just a moment together and that'll be the confessing part. The believing in the heart part is up to you. 
you just have to determine and decide if you're ready to give your life over to him and let him be the Lord of it. Or if you wanna just continue to trudge through this life without him. And I, I can promise you, man, life is so much better with him behind the steering wheel with him leading you and guiding you. Me and so many other, or others in this room would, can testify to that. And so, just a moment, if that's you and you wanna pray, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands. And when you do, and when you lift that hand, in that moment, you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Just take me over from here. And do what you have to on the inside of me. And then the fun and some of the work begins. And so this is what I would ask you right now on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you for all those hands. Thank you for those hands. Over to my left, I see all those. Thank you. Thank you for that hand over there. Is there anyone else? Thank you, thank you for that hand, thank you. Anybody else, just real quick, just another moment and we're gonna pray together. Thank you, thank you for that hand. Thank you so much for that, those hands as well. Thank you for that hand in the back. Once you lift that up, you can feel free to put that back down. Anyone else? Awesome. Okay. Well, let's pray together. And as we pray together, just mean what you're saying to the, to the Father. He's not just God to you anymore. In this moment, when you pray this prayer, he becomes your Father. The relationship changes. And so please repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. And I ask you to do exactly what Pastor talked about. Remove the stain and the issues that my sin, my disobedience, my bad decisions have all caused me. Help me to be the very best person that I can be. I know I need you to do that. And that's why I'm asking you to forgive me and help me by becoming my Lord and Savior. And just the way you're forgiving me, I'll forgive anyone else who's ever hurt me or wronged me. Thank you, Father, for loving me enough to make me your child and for bringing me into relationship with Jesus. In the name of Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I pray, amen and amen. Let's thank God for that tonight. And let's celebrate all those who have prayed that prayer and given their lives to Christ tonight. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.